we need to tell kids about the benefits of a plant-based diet versus wait till they're in college or post-college and they have a disease. And then we start talking about the benefits of it. I mean, we really need to teach kids when they know from the start um, that they want to be compassionate towards animals or that's when they develop their healthy eating habits. Welcome to the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis. Today, I'm so honored to welcome Maria Solanke, who is here to tell us about King Charter Schools. It's a initiative to start a all plant-based charter school in Pinellas County in Florida. How are you today? Oh, I'm great. I'm so excited to be a part of this podcast today. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and sharing with us really um, why you would want to start this. I mean, this is a big endeavor. And exactly. So can you give us a little background of actually why you wanted to start a charter school, why a charter school, and just kind of give us, you know, your story and um, vision of what's going to happen in the future? I felt like I didn't want to start one. <laughs> this kind of happened out of um, the situation of it. So um, two years ago, when we moved down to Florida, I began searching for schools for my then three-year-old daughter um, and couldn't find anything I liked. Um, fast forward, Hurricane Irma went up to Ohio and toured a charter school up there because that my family's like, move back, move back. So toured a charter school there that was a dual immersion charter school started by a mom. And I was like, this is interesting. Well, you know, if I'm going to work on a charter school, it's definitely going to be a plant-based charter school. So that long drive back from Ohio to Florida, I just started researching it. And I came to realize that it was the best way to promote a plant-based diet um, for the reasons that they are financially sustainable. Charter schools are funded by tax dollars, so they become sustainable if you reach your target enrollment. Um, I believe that we need to tell kids about the benefits of a plant-based diet versus wait till they're in college or post-college and they have a disease, and then we start talking about the benefits of it. I mean, we really need to teach kids when they know from the start um, that they want to be compassionate towards animals, or that's when they develop their healthy eating habits. Uh, and then the idea that a charter school can be replicated from state to state, I just felt that I was really onto something here and started reaching out. I started going to VegFest and looking for board members and other people. Um, you know, I've, I've been in child development for nearly 15 years now. Um, but I haven't been into the bureaucracy and the politics of public education. So we needed to bring in other experts that had their, that area of expertise into the, to the project. That is, um, yes, I can only imagine what kind of stories you have to share on one is a, yeah, very, very fascinating um, ideas of thinking about one, you have the USDA presenting 
Here are the guiding principles for nutrition in the United States, but they are also very biased organization because they promote, you know, animal agriculture. Okay, so here's you're trying to use tax dollars to start a plant-based school. And I know that must be definitely one of the obstacles and hurdles that you must overcome is their requirements in order to actually get funding for school lunches and things. I, right. I can't even imagine what that must entail. What, what type of it? It's very funny um, to read the guideline. I mean, if you never thought that animal agriculture was in the government, I mean, read this this guideline here. It's the the whole reimbursement act. If you want to get federal reimbursement for your lunch program, it specifically states that. Not only do you have to serve cow's milk, they don't call plant-based milk, plant-based milk. They say like other beverages or plant-based beverages, you know, they won't use the word milk because just drive almond milk or things like that. But not only do you, um, they require that cow's milk be served, they also do not allow you to discourage the drinking of cow's milk before school, after school, on school grounds, or at any other school-sponsored event. And you're just like, who would have thought to put that in there unless well it was the dairy industry and they saw how things were going um so the thing is it's not a mandate to take that federal reimbursement and and so i would love to clear this out just because i've spoken with other vegans and um i feel that you know full disclosure of this needs to be out there but we basically have several different ways around this one we fundraise enough that we won't need that federal reimbursement. Um, two, uh, we are we have been in discussion with PCRM, PCRM's legal team, and other legal teams to discuss what are what are the ways around it. Um, so the cow, one thing is cow's milk does not have to be put onto every child's plate or cafeteria tray. It needs to be in the cafeteria so the child is allowed to refuse the milk um and and so some schools that have been trying to decrease have gone around by putting um water that has fruit pieces in it just to make it more attractive so the child will leave the milk um obviously giving information to parents because parents are allowed to sign which i've done this with my daughter um that they don't want their child to receive any of the milk but you have to sign that um stating that you do want do not want your child to have it um and then the other option is uh really just taking the funds for a certain number of years if we reach our project projections of student enrollment by year three we would no longer we anticipate to no longer need those funds to begin with so it would be a two-year program to wean them off of it um, the good thing about the milk law is that you're allowed to order less and less each month. So say for an easy number, you ordered, you know, 100 cases month one, but you had so much left over month two, you order 50 to 25 until you're down to one or zero. Um, and we do plan on educating the parents, the students um, and the community around that if, if that becomes the issue, you know, we, we can't just think of one thing that will fundraise enough that we won't need that reimbursement, but we want to consider all the options. 
Okay, there we go. Sorry, the the sound and everything is getting it's kind of loud here. So I'm okay. muting while you're talking so they can hear you. And so that is really interesting that you have to go. It's unfortunate that you have to go through all of these hoops about dairy milk when we know, scientifically speaking, that it's unhealthy for children to consume milk. We are not cows, people. We don't need it. Right. <laughs> so. well, and the good thing is that the 2020 regulations from USDA, you know, will come out again, and they have been reaching out to plant-based physicians. Um, and then September, there was um, you know, something published by the American Medical Association, which stated that USDA regulations need to change because African Americans and Asians have, you know, over 70% lactose intolerance. So they're getting pressure from organizations that are not plant-based. And I think those changes will be happening when we look to other countries, how those changes are happening and businesses. It's, it's going to happen. Now, if it happens in 2020, all the better for us. You know, if they, if they do allow that, but you know, it's, it's still, it is still a battle and we are still working with the legal team to figure out the best way to um, get past it. Because I think it was just August 2nd, they put out a memo. They heard about this water thing <laughs> that some of the schools have doing. And the memo came out that said milk must be offered before water is offered. Yeah. So all we can do is continue to try. The only way we get there is if we start now. Everyone has been saying, not everyone, but there have been a few people that like this, this might happen in 20 years. I'm like, well, it'll only happen in 20 years if we start the process now. We can't just wait for 20 years to go by and then say, all right, where's my hoverboard? This is going to be happening now. You're exactly right. Well, let's get back down to your school. So you have a few things that um, you'd like to highlight what the school will entail, what, you know, first of all, give us an idea of what is a charter school and what will make this one special. I mean, granted it's gonna be plant-based, but what do you mean by plant-based? Is this gonna be, you know, just learning about plants? <laughs> like, but there's, I think there's some special qualities about your school that um, others will need to know about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first, a charter school is a public school. That means 100% tuition-free. We have to accept anyone that enrolls in lo as long as there are seats available. So if, obviously, too many people enroll, then we go into a lottery system. But we have to accept them. everyone, background, special needs, no money, rich. You know, it, it is a public school, and we are not allowed to charge a penny um, from parents. So we are funded by... Um, local, state, and federal tax dollars. We are funded by every student that enrolls. And when I say we are funded, no one's buying a yacht. You know, everyone is on the board is 100% volunteer and really believes in the mission. Um, we will never make a profit from the school. So we're doing this because this is what we believe in. Uh, but we, it's about $7,000 per student that enrolls. Um, and I think that's the major part about a charter school, other than we still have to follow state guidelines. So all of our curriculum needs to meet state requirements. They do have to take standardized tests. We are judged based on those standardized tests. They still take their math, their science, um, whatever classes that are required by the state, they are taught. The difference is when we um, present the curriculum, it's compassionate. So one of our board members, Sally Sanders, uh, worked for the Department of Education. She was the expert in science curriculum. 
and she would give stories after stories. She now does contracting work for one of the major textbook companies, but she would constantly change out questions in the state test that were, um, you know, not careful of other religions. Like for example, um, if, if we're going to collect eggs from the hen and Sally collected six hens and Maria or collected six eggs and um, how many eggs do we collect all together? You know, so, well, we can't collect eggs. If you're a Hindu, you not ethical or, um, you know, talking about other kind of foods that would not be ethical to the Muslim religion. So she would cancel out a lot of those things or I'm, in my daughter's curriculum, I'm constantly seeing things um, in her curriculum that are man, they're always getting eggs. I mean, she has a book of a frog going to get eggs <laughs> from a chicken and this frog also goes fishing. Um, so it's all over curriculum. It starts very young. So those are the things that would be omitted from our curriculum. Other than that, it's a very standard curriculum. They're still learning one plus one. They're still learning all those things that they have to learn by the state. And of course, the food would be plant-based. Um, luckily, USDA does not get involved. Well, they do get involved, of course, but they don't restrict vegan food being served. It's just that issue we're working on with that carton of milk. Um, and, and then our nutrition classes would be plant-based. Um, and the other very unique thing about it is the trilingual immersion. And we did this very strategically because one of the commonly asked questions is, well, would you have enough kids that are plant-based that would want to enroll? Um, trilingual education is one of the fastest growing trends. And to give you an example, here in Pinellas County, if you wanted to enroll your child in a trilingual education, well, it doesn't exist. <laughs> But if you went to a private school that offered Spanish twice a week and Mandarin twice a week, that's upwards of 25,000 a year for high school, elementary school is about 15,000 a year. Um, and that is just twice a week, um, Spanish for 30 minutes and twice a week, Mandarin for 30 minutes. So this is a program that is totally unique to the Tampa Bay area. Yes, it's in California and New York and Chicago, but still hasn't made its way into um, Pinellas Park in the Tampa Bay area. So we think it'll be a very attractive program for parents who wouldn't necessarily consider the plant-based idea, um, but because the trilingual aspect is so interesting that they would actually consider the school. And in fact, when we initially approached the school district, they were excited um, to review an application that was a trilingual application. And um, so they've been looking forward to it as well. I think that's brilliant. So basically, you're going to be speaking of compassion, right? So it would bridge all, all religions, because I right. think um, once you remove animal cruelty or removing, you know, using animals as a source of food, you're going to be okay there. And then you have the trilingual immersion, so Spanish, Mandarin, and English, uh -huh. um, which can really one it bridges cultural gaps, but it also creates really interesting mind growth um, mm -hmm. for kids um, and it expands and I think it gives them confidence in where their travels and I mean I can only imagine I mean look at South America Spanish opens up an entire continent <laughs> right. um, so that it, it is a fascinating thing so what um, are your guiding principles I guess so what would be uh, a set of 
I guess, what is your, what is your manifesto for your school or how would you describe it as your guiding principles? Sure. Well, we want children to be happy. I mean, it's great if people get college degrees, if they move on to be astronauts, if they do things, but they need to be happy. And we really believe that happiness comes from treating others with compassion. And when you have a happy and healthy body, you have a healthy mind and you naturally will do better with studying and standardized tests and so much more. Um, and we want them to be open to other cultures and ethnicities. Hence the, you know, when we picked Spanish and Mandarin, we looked at not only population, I mean, we have English, Spanish, and Mandarin. We looked at population of people that speak those languages. We also looked at the U.S. biggest trade partners, Canada, Mexico, and China. Um, but we also want them, I mean, when you start bringing in Asia and South America, it really encompasses that respect and inclusion for all. And we that is very important to us. Um, and taking care of the environment. We can't be active citizens um, participating in the environment and our day-to-day -day lives if we have no interest in taking care of mother nature so you know it just makes sense that um all of this is entwined in everything that we do so i, I like that because now you're focused on not only the children's can you read and write, but what does their future entail as far as relationship building communities, but not necessarily even just to their round the block, but you know, local, statewide, national, but inter internationally. I think that's right. really cool. Because um, I think a lot of kids miss out on that. They're so focused on, you know, the core curriculum that they're pushing. <clears throat> um, it, it's interesting. I would love to have my kids grow. Uh, through a school like this, of course, mine are well beyond. They're in college and beyond college now, but it's a it's a really unique um, opportunity that you're presenting patient our families. Um, so now, some of the more common questions I'm sure parents are asking, which you had mentioned earlier, was you know, will there be enough vegan kids? What does it you know, you know mean to be vegan? Um, political questions. Um, you know, there's just all these different things that. As a parent, you know, what's going through their mind? Is it going to be worth putting my kid through this school versus a traditional school that's down the street that's already been there for a while and all those things that's stable and, you know, you're starting something new? And um, well, how would you reassure those parents who are having those questions or with some of the more common questions that you get? Mm -hmm. I guess we are in a good position that there's not many good schools around here. <laughs> so it's kind of like, do you want to go to the school that is not performing well, or do you want to give us a try? Um, the, the people that are on our board, I mean, we have such great experts. I've been into language um, and teaching um, diverse languages to children for years. It's been such a huge interest. My own daughter just turned five and she speaks five languages and, and easy peasy for her to do. Um, our application, before we submitted it, we sent it out to linguists around the world. Um, and these are top distinguished uh, linguists and we had them review it. We took their um, feedback, we made edits. I mean, this application is so detailed and thoughtful that I 
I would be shocked to see that another charter school has put in so much thought because <clears throat> on the board, we currently have two parents that want to send their kids there. We have other um, board members who don't have kids yet, but are made have in the next two years or so. Um, and so we really wanted this to be a program that we want our children to go to. I mean, I've toured, and I don't know if I, this is like embarrassing how many schools I've toured, private to public. Um, and if there was something better, I, I, I'll tell you this. The day I came back um, and had this idea of the charter school, I told my husband, like, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is I found the best school for Vivian to go to. The bad news is I have to start it myself. And that is exactly, his response was like, no, 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 because he knew I was going to do it. And, and that's it. I am like a mama bear <laughs> looking for the best thing for her child. Um, there is no one that could argue having plant-based lunch would be detrimental to health. You know, if they felt they still needed that animal product, they can always have it for dinner. So it would be so useless for a parent to say, well, this sounded great, but, you know, and then consider the other schools. I mean, in Pinellas County, we don't have that many great rated schools. And considering the board members that have come onto this to, to really develop and put their heart and soul into it, it is a very grassroots movement put by, you know, local people here that really want to see something. So I would say, you know, give it a chance. We, we are going to be open working with local physicians and national physicians to put out more information to the community. And, you know, ultimately they, they have to make their own decisions, but we're, you know, we have to follow our guidelines too um, by the state and federal government. And I think it's going to be a great program for, for them. I think that's a great idea how you said that, right? And so you're a, a mom who is seeking the best for her own child. So I think that right there would be speak volumes to someone else who also has a child that would only want what's best for them. Mm -hmm. And if it's a public school that offers so much, and I know one of your visions is to share this across state lines. So it's an example or a protocol or a, a pilot <laughs> ship to share with others. And I think that's a really exciting um, dream that you have. And I can't wait to see it come to fruition. How yeah. much more do you need? So you're now, you know, now you have these visions and you've got these amazing resources and some people that have great experience and they're passionate about the project. You have a, you know, done all the work, you've submitted your application. What do you need right now that someone who's listening can help you and your organization and your program get started and off the ground? So our application has already been reviewed by the school board. We submitted it on February 1st. They came back to us just last week. Um, I think they probably said the word strong to describe our program and immersion program at least five times. It just kept repeating how strong it is. They really liked it. This is so unique. It was, I mean, it was like goosebumps how much, because this county has not approved a charter school in five or six years. Um, they just deny, every, other than one expansion of an already existing school that expanded. Um, but they just are, <laughs> 
the worst county in Florida to get an approval. Uh, it's kind of like this underground scene here that they all know Pinellas County is very difficult, but they just described our you know, immersion program and really liked it. The issue we're facing right now is that, um, so in year one, we would only open with a kindergarten first and second grade. And we're doing that because um, for a couple reasons. One is, you know, we need to bring in these teachers that are qualified and especially finding um, fluent Mandarin teachers to come in. We wanna grow slowly. The other reason is we are judged based on state tests. So if a child comes in in fifth grade, that was at a previous school and only has a kindergarten reading level will um, be docked points for that child when they test. So we really want to get kids young where we can grow the school because two failing grades of test scores means we close down. Um, so growing from a kindergarten and then uh, first and second and we grow up every year. Um, the, that issue becomes that we don't reach our target enrollment until um, a few years in. And because we don't reach our tar target enrollment um, in year one, we have to cover some expenses. Um, and to cover those expenses is what we're fundraising for. And the biggest issue the county has with approving our application right now, which is still in the pending, um, they have until the middle of May to officially deny our application. Um, but we need to raise those funds to cover the first year um, startup costs, especially. Um, for example, if school opens in August, we would hire a principal in February or March to start um, you know, everything from admin work to hiring teachers to um, ordering textbooks and furniture. Um, and then we need to get facility ready. So those startup costs will not be funded by um, the government. Um, and then government funding would start in July based on number of students enrolled. So if our school opens in August, we don't get funding until July. So those six months prior to opening, we need funding for, and then for additional areas um, until we reach our max capacity, we will continue, well, we need funding for that. So how much do you need to still raise then? We need to raise um, three, well, 300,000 would put us in a really excellent position. Of that, we've only raised about 15,000 at this point. Okay, so basically we need help with fundraising, sharing your story, getting everything out there. So every Everyone who's listening, if you've had a child, you believe in a plant-based nutrition, you believe in, you know, expanding your child's horizon with, you know, trilingual education and building community beyond borders, this is the opportunity for you to make a difference. So either contribute or share the podcast, the YouTube, um, and help them build this vision because once they get it going, you could see one pop up in your local neighborhood. <laughs> So, and you never know, hopefully, obviously, I'm going to put the links here in your email, Maria, of people who can reach out to you um, if they have very specific questions or if they have maybe a larger donation that they'd like to give you or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I certainly think that this is a project well worth a dollar that you've earned. Um, you know, you're, I always, you know, when I think about people providing monies that they've um, worked for, it's important that it's 
a value, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm trading someone's time and giving it to you for value. And I think this is certainly an investment in future. It's a future world that we'd like to see, right? Someone, children interacting, learning different languages, cultures, and of course, a healthy diet and healthy minds. So I always agree, healthy bodies, healthy minds, healthy communities, healthy right. world. <laughs> so um, I, I applaud your efforts. It's it's a gargantuan project. <laughs> I can't even imagine how many sleepless nights you've had thinking about oh, yeah. things. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> For so, sure. The great thing, what you said is um, how we do plan to expand into other counties. And I just want to point out that there is a school called KIPP, K-I-P-P, which is like Knowledge is Power Program. They are not um, a plant-based school or anything really unique, actually, but they started in 1994, and since 1994, they have, like I believe it's over 225 locations with over 100,000 students, and they've just been going across the U.S. opening these schools. Um, it's like, that's exactly what we want to see. We want to see these schools go across the U.S. We want to help other community members, whether they have kids or not. I mean, we have board members that do not have kids or they're grown up, but they just, they get it. They get how impactful this could be. It's not just going to help a kitten or it's not just going to do one cooking class for a small community. It is really expanding it. You know, we want to have classes for parents after school and for community members. We want to have workshops and talks and movie screenings and have the school come and be the center point of that community and really just bring those community ties in. Um, but I really believe that children make a huge difference and um, that will be a ripple effect into businesses and what businesses will start putting on the shelves or taking off the shelves um, as they, they get more and more informed. But, you know, we cannot wait till they're college students. We cannot wait till they're sick and dying of something in their 30s or 40s. You know, we have to start with these kids. Well, I, I think it'd be interesting, too, um, as you grow and you start having children taking these standardized tests to see what happens, right? Because you're, you very well may see, I would, I would lean towards making a prediction that you're going to see scores be much higher, um, lower depression rates, you may have lower obesity rates, you're going to have healthier families that have ripple effects to their family members and themselves. There's so many um, variables that come from what we're eating and learning about in the community that it will be really interesting to see those changes. So right. attendance, um, behavior problems. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so many things that we will have access to measure within two to three years. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, you know, that's, you know, uh, again, I would encourage people to consider giving even a small donation or a large donation um, to your your goals. And um, I'm sure there's going to be some ways that people can be stay in touch and you're going to be sharing your process with those who do donate money and make sure that everything right. is done appropriately. But it's such an incredible um, project and I'm excited to be a part of sharing your message. So is there any final words that you would like to share with those who are listening? 
Uh, yeah, that that is pretty much everything. We are um, a 501c3 in case that matters to anyone who would like to donate or, you know, even if you're only able to donate five or ten dollars, but you have that connection to a business or to another so, someone else that would like to, you know, just helping us network because it like it, it has been a lot um, to get to. The, you know, our application was over 400 pages and just to do the research for those pages. Um, was extensive, even having people that, you know, have been in the Department of Education for years, it, it has taken a lot. And networking is like a full-time job. So any amount of help we can even get from networking, or people have services that they want to donate, they're in marketing, if they're, you know, wherever, we really want this to be a community effort. They say it takes a village to raise a child. Well, we're trying to raise the children of America. So we, we really need everyone to come together for this. And you know, eventually we want to be able to give back. We want children to in the school to give back to different organizations as well. Where instead of writing maybe who their favorite basketball player is, maybe let's write on um, a letter to Congress or let's write a grant for an organization or let's volunteer and have a veg fest at our school. You know, we really want these kids to become active members and um, messengers of what they're learning and not just constantly that we need help. But at this point, we are <laughs> little babies that definitely need that help. So whatever you can give, um, whether it's, you know, just 10 bucks or if it's contacting us to someone else that can hear our message and, and help help make this a reality. I think there's nothing more important than investing in our children because they really are, are literally our future. <laughs> so, you know, think about someone like myself who's entering into middle age. I think about, well, where will I be? Can, you know, when I'm in my 70s and 80s and not necessarily working full time, you know, that's where we rely on the backs of those younger generations. But now we have such a, you know, beast uh, uh, epidemic with diabetes, hypertension, um, our children are expected to live a shorter court lifespan than us. And I think that is devastating to think about, but it, it's, it's preventable by mm -hmm. doing things like you're doing. And so, and not only that, you're taking them out of watching video games and, you know, not you're making them active in parts of the community right. and only good things can happen from that. So I applaud your effort and I wish you well and everyone please share this and, Again, you'll see below in the show notes how to contact um, the King Charter School and Maria as well. And thank you again for your time. Thank you so much. And it, I, I don't know if it's a simple link, and I know you'll post it, but it is GoFundMe.com slash King PV Challenge. King, um, K-I-N-G, PV for plant-based and challenge. So GoFundMe.com slash King PV Challenge. But yeah, definitely check out whatever she's posting below. Thank you so much for you know, supporting us and being a part of this is, um, yeah, means so much to us at, at this point to have this kind of support. It's totally needed. Yeah, absolutely. And if ever there's a point that you want to share how you guys are doing, I'd be happy to do that too. But yes, I'll, I'll post everything your to your videos, your YouTube, the GoFundMe page, and, and then of course your contact information information because um, like you said, networking is really key and it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a starting from the ground project that requires lots and lots of hands in, you know, stirring the big <laughs> pot to get things moving in the right 
direction. So um, we will make it happen. We'll just, each of us have to do our part. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.